All right, everybody, welcome to this week's Learning the Tropes. I'm Aaron. I'm Clayton. And I'm your romance level veteran. And I'm the virgin. And we're your hosts. Hi, Clayton. Oh, hello, Aaron. And hi to also our special guest, EA. Thanks so much for joining us a second time. I'm so thrilled to be here. I have so much. I have thoughts. I have feelings. I have questions, concerns, and comments. I can't wait to get into all of them. You texted me last night that you had already written down all your notes, which I was so impressed by that you were like, I couldn't keep them straight. Otherwise there was, (laughs) there was a panoply of responses that needed to be notated. Did I remember to bring that list today? No, but it is ingrained in my head and heart. The act of writing it down is what's got you there. Yes. Yes. Visual learning, visual learning. Yeah. So in case you guys, um, don't remember when EA was with us the first time to talk about the Windflower, which was like a top 10 episode, guys. If you haven't listened to it, you've got to go back. <laughs> it was really fun. It's a pirate romance. Um, and uh, EA is a journalist, author, and romance reader. She has written for the New York Times, The Guardian, and Time Magazine. She has a book coming out from Simon & Schuster in 2023. Uh, EA lives in Los Angeles, and you can follow her on Instagram at EA Hanks. That's me. That's you. That's so. Me. We, I don't remember the genesis of knowing that you wanted to come on to discuss this book other than it just an innate always knowing. I think what was, yeah, just like a hint about me as a person, (laughs) which is intriguing. No, I think the genesis of this is when we got together to discuss the Windflower, um, shout out to Mary and Devin, um, I believe I said that to get ready, I had listened to some of your previous episodes Mm -hmm. and I saw a lot of author type, like authors names and titles that I was like, yeah, checking all the boxes. They're, they're playing the hits. Erin knows what she's doing. She's queuing up a good (laughs) education. Um, and then when I saw a CM, oh my God, I'm blanking on her last name. Nascosta. Yeah. Nascosta. Um, I was like, oh my gosh, like th- they've, they've gone there um, because I recognized her name from Tumblr because she has a big following on Tumblr, which is how she got so, uh, I actually don't know their pronouns, so I'm going to go with they, um, I, they're, they had a big enough following um, to move successfully into self-publishing. And when I saw that you guys had gone for is it the milking farm? Is yep. that what it's called? Morning yeah, Glory Milking Farm. Yeah, Morning Glory Milking Farm. I was sort of like, oh, these two are not afraid to get into it. <laughs> um, and so we chit-chatted about that and how much I enjoyed that episode. Yet another episode for new listeners to go back and discover because that conversation is so great and so respectful. And so sort of like you guys were such team players. Um, I enjoy it when people can critique pieces kind of on their own terms. And I feel like you guys signed on for morning glory milking farms own terms, such as they are. And Mm -hmm. I think Clayton, I think you made, you made the joke of like, I just want to see a Mothman. And I was Uh like, well, that's coming up. That's in the hopper because I had read the short version of this when it was just on Tumblr. Once, once the threat of a Mothman romance was out, I was like, well, obviously I know when I'm coming back because <laughs> yeah, this must need be res- uh, remarked upon. There was a Mothman in Morning Glory Milking Farm for a hot second. 
And oh, there was just right, something yeah. about that concept that I was like, oh, I want more of that. Mm. Mm. And now, um, well, we'll get to it. <laughs> um, well, first we have to judge this cover. And EA, I don't know if you know this, mm. but on Twitter and the pronouns thing. So in her, uh, in Goodreads, it's her pronouns. Oh, yeah. She has she, uh, her she as her pronouns. Okay. So great. I'm Fabulous. assuming that those okay. are okay, but obviously if not, let us know. Always happy to correct ourselves. Yeah. Anyway, so she wrote on Twitter that having listened to us discuss <gasps> Morning Glory Milking Farm <gasps> and talk about how much we wanted a clinch cover of Morning Glory Milking Farm, uh, that's what inspired this cover. I love it. Which really, I think we can retire then happy because that is the that was the greatest when I saw that I absolutely lost my mind. And I just saw today they are reissuing Morning Glory Milking Farm with a clinch cover. Oh, <gasps> um, excuse me. I didn't realize I was speaking with two influencers. Neither did we. <laughs> oh, my. I'm looking at it now. It is glorious. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. Gorgeous. Let's talk, let's talk about this. Um. So let's, so basically what we're seeing, it's, it's like a very bucolic setting, like mountains, it's a farm mm-hmm. and it is grace in a blue dress, just being embraced by our Mothman Merrick. Merrick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I will say this Mothman looks more human than the Mothman we read about. Not that I'm angry about it because again, beautiful cover yeah mm-hmm. this this Merrick is also like stacked mm-hmm. ripped and and Merrick is kind of described as like live I would say and 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 this mothman is just like jacked mm-hmm. yeah and it's like his stomach is like concave right <laughs> don't they describe <laughs> yeah. it that way yes yeah yes so, yeah but I mean it's a gorgeous cover it's great we we, we commented on it before we couldn't help it but this is a great cover. Absolutely. Yeah, it's absolutely gorgeous. I can't wait to see the next book, which I think is going to be a werewolf book. Yes. Yeah. And then We're definitely setting that up in this. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the, the thing I love about being a romance reader now is like a character can walk by in a sentence and you're like, okay, cool. So we're getting his whole deal. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> impending, impending plot. Yeah. Hmm. Um, glorious cover. Can't wait to see them all. Yeah. Um, all right. So Clayton, before we dive into everything there is to be dive dove into, what is this book about? A woman fucks a mothman. <laughs> Accurate. Accurate. Yeah. I mean, hmm. pretty much, right? I mean, at the end of the day, that's the if we're just going wide, a uh, wide shot of this. Mm-hmm. It's a woman fucks a mothman. And then we can get into all of the intricacies that that creates. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's start with you, EA. What are your thoughts? Kick well, us off. Yeah. I mean, so this woman fucks a mothman, which mm-hmm. of all the sort of creatures that um, I feel like I would read as sort of receptive to a sexual depiction. 
Mobs are not at the top of my list. Um, I feel like your kind of standard monster porn tend to, you know, you play the hits. You got your werewolves. <laughs> um, you've got your, um, you know, like your were menagerie, right? Were yeah. bears, werewolves, were cougars, all that sort of stuff. Like moth to me is really interesting. So I was just kind of fascinated of like, What's it when you when you're gonna go with an old touchstone like a werewolf, right? You kind of know the animal aspects that are going to be sexualized. Um, so you know, with your werewolves, if you're into like the alpha omega over you know, the alpha omega verse, you've got the sexualization and the humanization of like mating cycles and mating bites and the concept of mates and packs and you know, the moon, all of these things <laughs> kind of get sexualized or romanticized. And I didn't really kind of know what the big aspects of moths were going to be sort of presented as um sexy um and I'd be interested to hear y'all's kind of interpretation but for me I was really intrigued that this sort of (laughs) this is a wackadoo conversation this sort of I have no other word for it, but flutteriness, like the flutteriness and the haphazard flight patterns that I associate with actual mobs, that to me, that was what the author was drawing on the most, which is that this hero is socially um, haphazard the way that a actual moth's flying path is a little distracted so that the thing that gets sexualized and romanticized is that this is someone who is a little socially awkward, a little quiet, a little mysterious. And I was kind of fascinated that that was the path that she took. I don't know much about moths. I don't know what perhaps the author um declined to sexualize <laughs> like I don't know do do moths have mates do they have um I don't know what their mating practices are I don't I was you know I would say is there like a was there a chrysalis scene that got cut I do moths have chrysalises I don't know so that's kind of like when I when we're dealing with a mythological creature I kind of go like, what is the psychological interest that the reader is getting, you know, is tickling? And what is the facet of this animal that we're going to sexualize? And I guess for me, it was just that kooky way that moths fly around. Where are they going? What are they doing? They seem a little distracted. I think so that, that's, that's actually- how that's how I got like that was my entryway into trying to figure out what's going on here. I think that's a really great read of this. And it speaks also to Merrick as a character where he never stays in one place for a very long time. Right. So see, you're picking up what I'm putting down, Clayton. (laughs) Yeah. One of the things that Grace was worried about is that he's there for a good time, not a long time and that he's going to leave. And so exactly like a moth 
you can't really study a moth's flight plan. I mean, you can, <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where like it doesn't seem to us that they have a genuine destination to them. Right. Mm-hmm. Where it's like birds, they're they're going from one place to another yeah, or they're they migrating migrate. or they're doing something. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And moths. Yeah. They just like flutter about and things like that. So I do think there was a level of that in in Merrick's personality. So mm-hmm. it's you, you really did uh, catch on to something there. Um, Aaron, what did you think? Yeah, it's it's hard to like you do just have to turn up your mind to any larger question about the world because Merrick is somebody who studies pollinators, which is like a hot topic now because there's a documentary that both my parents have seen and and are imploring me to see all about pollinators. Mm. Um, And it is, you know, so it's interesting because he hangs out with bats and other animals. And I'm like, what is the relationship between these cryptids right? Is that what they're called? Like a animal? Anyway, the relationship between these right. beings and just the flora and fauna that we do know about now. Right. Um, I, I think that the difficulty I had was with Morning Glory Milking Farm, I liked Rourke, the Minotaur, obviously we yes, all know. Yes, yes. Yeah. I liked him so much like as a Minotaur, <laughs> like as, as a, a character, as yeah, a person. Yeah. Hmm. I really gravitated towards him where I think with Merrick, he was very hard to pin down. I don't know. Where I I just didn't feel the relationship as much. And so no, it made it a I. little difficult because then when we get to like, you know, we've talked about this a lot uh, with sex scenes where it's like sex scenes work as sexy scenes. If you are invested in each of the characters mm. And I think that's the part that I had a little bit of a tough time with where um, it starts with a bang, literally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. it's, I I, I just, he, he, he was too flighty for me. I'm, I keep doing moth puns and I don't mean to. I, I have to say on the whole, I found this novella because it felt like a novella rather than a book i find Mm -hmm. it on the whole to be slighter than morning glory milking farm Mm -hmm. and the thing that i think they both have in common and i think the author is this author is fascinating by fast fascinated by work she loves jobs she loves building out this world of is it cambrick creek and sort of the local economy. <laughs> like yes. we heard a lot about how this farm works, what Grace used to do and how good she was at that job. And we hear a lot about like her color coding system from when she was a wedding planner and then her application and interview process to work at the farm and how she's like really created this job. In a way, I feel like the real romance her here is Grace and her job. Like we hear much more about how Grace feels about her work, especially after this um, tumultuous breakup of her marriage and the real romance is Grace finding work that she's deeply, um, you know, emotionally invested in. And then on the side, she fucks a Mothman. Yes. 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 Uh, I, uh, so I, 
I I really like CM as a writer. I think yeah, the way she's that very she, good. She characterized Merrick was like as you said and as Aaron said, uh, there she imbued a Mothman with moth type qualities in an interesting way mm. that other writers other writers like it's other writers wouldn't tackle a mothman like that's you know it's one of those things because mm-hmm. like you said they usually stick to the bears or the yeah. werewolves or or things like that or minotaurs <laughs> i think the thing that fell short for me with this is that just in my personal for my personal taste the reason I liked something like Morning Glory Milking Farm is because the hero was an animal that is usually looked at as very strong, um, savage. Like uh, there's just something about that power that mm-hmm. the, the an animal like that has or mm-hmm. a person like that has that is missing here. The way Merrick is tentative and the way that he's slight in frame, for me, just as a romance reader, that's not a hero that I really love. Like, I want someone who could possibly overpower me. (laughs) And Merrick did not feel like he could do that. And that's fine. And that's to each their own. Obviously, some people want would would gravitate more to somebody who was like gentle or slighter or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I think that's why the eroticism there was, I mean, I love, I mean, I'm a big voyeur fan. I love that sign of kind of voyeuristic set pieces and mm-hmm. him outside her window, I thought was really hot as a beginning, but mm-hmm. there was just something about him as a character since he was so tentative that I had a hard time connecting to him in a in a physical way yeah well i think um so something interesting about cm and how she landed on my radar on tumblr was i don't know that this is how she started off but at some point she got enough of a following that she started doing requests people Mm -hmm. could request kind of like different romantic combinations that aren't seen kind of in your mass produced or and mass published um romances so someone would say like i would love a um a you know trans hero um like an f to m trans hero and uh, a cis um autistic human heroine and she would like go off and fulfill that brief in a little romantic short story. And so I think she really kind of like cut her teeth and gained popularity by doing these combinations and not only not only just duos, but I think she, I think she has a couple titles that are also thruples and 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 polydynamics as well. So I think she's really sort of trying to make more space for different types of heroes and heroines in a romantic context. And I think part of the reason that she's written a Mothman sort of thing is she wanted to experiment with a non-dominant or non-sort of, um, I mean, Merrick is a top, right? Does Merrick top Grace? 
He yeah, tops so. her, but it's not, it's not in this, in the way that we would kind of conceive of like, he doesn't, he tops, but he doesn't have like big burning top energy. <laughs> no. He's got kind of in like, the bedroom though. He's definitely in charge, but yes, not out is. in public. It is. Yes. I mean, yes. yes. I wonder if there is, I'm, I'm, I don't want to be impolitic, but I wonder if something about, I think Merrick is a depiction of a hero with immense social anxiety, mm-hmm. right? So he doesn't really have the, he's not macho, you know, he's not a yeah. big bull. He's a flight. He's a, he's a soft, downy, shy moth. Um, and I think I wish that that, ex- that excited me in the same way as a, as a romance reader, but I'm with you, Clayton. It didn't quite work for me and my tastes. Yeah. Although he yeah. does say about his member, once it comes out, there's no turning back. <laughs> yeah, I think there was some, there for was, Merrick, but yeah. <laughs> that wouldn't work for a lot of other heroes. That would, would be, yeah. that would be assaultive yes. uh, to say as yes. another hero. I think there was some mixed messaging on how on, on, on Merrick's personality. Like, is he mm-hmm. dominant? Is he shy? Is he a little spectrumy? Is he just a scientist and he's busy? Like there, he was not as full fleshed out, I think as, um, um, our morning glory hero, um, whose name I'm blanking. Rourke. 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 Right. Thank you. I think, uh, um, it's also, it's hard when also it's, you only are ever in one character's point of view. And I found that I really wanted to be in Merrick's point of view mm. because it's difficult yet to get a full understanding of who they are. Cause we are only ever with grace. And so anything that Merrick does or says, we're always seeing it through her filter. It's not first person. Sorry. I just got a work notification. Um, Tell them you're talking about a Tell them you're talking about moth, moth cock. Moth yeah. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. We haven't gone to the cock pocket yet, so I'm going to need you to like cool it. <laughs> Stop telling me about, I'm, I'm working with the team in India. So they're like, it's Monday morning. Also, they don't have today off. So anyway. Oh. Apologies yeah. for the digression. What was I talking about? You were. Moth, moth cock. Moth <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, this book is, is third person, but it's, oh, we're only like with Grace the entire time. And I think that that would have really helped in a way to just have a little bit more understanding of what Merrick was thinking, mm. because especially with a character who is unable to really read his signals correctly, it makes us also confused and not know like, okay, well, when can we really like land into this relationship? Um, So I agree. And I also kind of wanted him to become more integrated into her work life. Like she had come to this place and she was recently divorced and she was heartbroken and she built a life for herself and she built friends and she built a career that she's passionate about. Mm -hmm. And not that necessarily, I, I, I wanted also Merrick, somebody who's in a very similar situation, who seems like very lonely as well, is in a new place, doesn't know anybody, doesn't understand like the lay of the land. This is like a different town than he's ever lived in before to then I, I I wanted to see like him maybe become friends with somebody or something. Yeah. I think that's one of the, the, one of the places where the, where it feels slight to me because there was a couple sort of beats that I was anticipating. I, and 
that's Grace says a lot. Like I really, you, you don't need to be afraid of people. It's different here. You really need to make friends. And that never really happens. Like we, Mm -hmm. we don't really see him make friends through grace or make friends with someone outside of grace's circle, but with grace's encouragement. Um, and I felt like that was a pretty big beat that was missing that would probably be present if it was like a full length novel. And I also was thinking that in a mass market romance, the ex-husband would have showed up Yes, because we hear that she did not move that far away, that, um, it was not an amicable divorce. And she just like ran and served him with papers in absentia. And I think a way of kind of addressing Merrick's energy, how dominant is he, how much of a sort of like romance hero, capital R, capital H could have been a great moment if, cause her ex is a minotaur. Yes. And if he had showed up with all of his minotaur energy And then Merrick shows, well, this is what moth energy is. And here is me stepping in, not to, you know, in a protective gesture of loving this person. That could have been interesting. And I thought that was a a beat that I was hoping was going to come down the pipeline. And it it never really did. But I kind of wanted, I wanted to see Grace be like, I had that energy. This is the energy I'm interested in now. I like that you're quiet. I like that you're awkward. And I like that you are, that you are emotionally invested in me, that you're going to step in when my ex-husband, you know, breezes into town. Yeah. Yeah. Because Brogan was her coworker who also was a minotaur and had very aggressive energy. But mm-hmm. from a story te- a storytelling perspective, and obviously I'm not this is I'm not giving anybody critique or anything like that. But from what y- you you bringing that up, it makes so much sense that just for a dramatic purpose mm-hmm. to have the Minotaur that is you know rubbing against Merrick in that way, like creating that that sort of that sort of tension, it would make the most sense for it to be the ex-husband because yeah. the stakes are so much bigger yeah. in that than a coworker who she's just really horny and might want to fuck. Yeah. It's, and then that never really goes anywhere because she doesn't, no, it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And then he kind of disappears. And mm-hmm. I enjoy the representation of a sexually aggressive character who still who understand knows mean no means no. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when it's interested, she's not interested or when it's obvious she's not interested, he, you know, joyfully moves on. Um, we 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 love someone who understands consent. Um, <laughs> but that was a, another plot point that kind of went nowhere. I think in general, the book is a little slight on plot. But what yes. it's when it's slight on plot, it is, you know, um, basks in the details of work. This writer loves work. She also loved talking about how the Morning Glory milk farm works. Like she's she's interested in work. (laughs) Oh, well, it's I feel that I mean, Morning Glory milking farm. We were so blown away by how much CM did with that world Mm -hmm. in a way that she didn't. I don't want to say didn't have to, but a lot of erotica that we read uh, or have read does skimp on a lot of those things that she didn't 
in this first mm-hmm. in that first book. And mm-hmm. I agree. I think there's something that feels like almost a difficult sophomore album about this yeah, this book. I agree. Right? Where that first one blew you away so hard. And the second one was trying to do so many interesting things with his characterization and her job that there was maybe a few things that dropped out that could have really solidified this and made it a a better experience. Because, I mean, she's capable of doing it because she did it the first time. And like you said, EA, she has so much experience just writing a myriad of different combinations that she's got the chops. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something, you know, Morning Glory Milking Farm was so interesting because I think that was a story that in some ways the romance was a sex worker and a client fall in love. Mm-hmm. And the the like Capulet Montague conflict is Rourke wants to be respectful of the fact that she's a sex worker and it is not appropriate to hit on someone who's doing their job. Right. Mm-hmm. And that was it's almost it was like an old fashioned thing. Like they had a Victorian level of properness in the context of milking him for semen. <laughs> and that was that was such a funny high low concept. And I feel like Sweetberries kind of makes a gesture of saying this is a romance with a hero who's maybe a little on the spectrum, but she doesn't really lean into that. It's hinted at. Um, And I think that what those things have in common is they're romances that happen outside of the normal purview of your standard mass market romance. So this is romance for people who are, interested in living a different lifestyle, who are queer, who are different, who are young and read Tumblr and want more representation and more diversity, all mm-hmm. of which um, I love. And I wish that more of that was for sale in Target. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I feel like it's, it, I think you're right. It feels like a difficult sophomore record and that she chose a difficult hero to portray um, without fucking it up, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know how to write a hero who is, you know, po- possibly somewhere on the spectrum, um, respectfully and accurately. I don't know that that's my in, in, impression of, of Merrick. I don't know if anybody else got that. Uh, no, I think that's a pretty accurate, I would say that's a really accurate read. And I do mm. think that that's, that's what it was aiming towards. Mm. I, I, I'm curious because we 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 are going to get into just the general of why why monsters why mm. why monster sex what does that mean but mm. it, to go a little bit back to something that you know I was talking about in EA you were mentioning so the fact that Merrick is not your standard masculine type hero right with he's not he's not strong he's not super he's aggressive. not butch we'll and put he's that not butch. he's not butch yeah mm-hmm. exactly and so i i i identify as straight i identify i mean i'm a cis i'm a cis man i identify as straight and yet it's so funny that i'm i feel like 
what I want in a romantic hero is very basic what I've always been taught mm. as a man, like a person or a, a man to be. A romantic and, lead, yeah. Yeah, and it's so funny because it's it's not that I'm genuinely sexually attracted to these heroes. It's 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 weird because it's I'm I'm now trying to speak out loud how I relate to these books because mm. I've always talked about them. You know, you know, if you listen, you've listened to episodes and I've said I'd fuck this hero and that, and it's it's always kind of been more of like not a physical attraction, but kind of a maybe almost like who would I want to be? Yes, right? if I if I if I wanted to fuck men. Or if I was going to be a woman, I would like to be a woman who would fuck this kind of guy. Or I'd like yeah, to be right. a woman who this guy would want to fuck. Exactly. So I guess yeah. that's what it is. And so I think that's the thing is that it makes me question how much of my taste in heroes comes from my like a genuine what I actually like or what I've been taught to like. Well, isn't that the question about sexual attraction in general? It, it is, yeah. What is an in, what is indigenous attractive and what is just like the programming? Yes. Mm. Yeah. I'm pretty like candid on this about like I'm not I'm like I'm not a fan of heroes that are like quote unquote adorable, which is what she she refers There's to him a, in this th- book. That word is actually in this book. And I was like, yeah. ooh, ooh, it hits it hits the eyes harsh. It hits yeah. the it eyes hurts harsh. bad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it hurts and, bad. And, and so that's not my favorite type of hero. And so yeah. I I can see that as is that me being like, I if I feel like I am I'm sometimes socially awkward, is that something I dislike about myself? So I don't want to see that reflected uh, in yeah, yeah. a hero. Yeah. And I, I think that, that there's also a part of most of the time that we see them spending together is sexual. It's like mm-hmm. them literally just having sex. Yeah, there's not there's not a lot of their to their relationship outside mm-hmm. of fornication. Yeah. And there's no sort of will they or won't they like break up or or be together for the long run, other than she just kind of assumes that based on the fact that he's an academic and has moved previously a lot, but never yeah. hears that. And there never seems to be a big moment of like reckoning uh, or this is not going to work out. He accuses her at one stage of, I forget what the exact phrase is, but basically, oh, like species hopping. Like, did you move to Camber Creek? Like a so you tourist. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. To like mm-hmm. fuck all kinds of different species. And I thought that would be a bigger deal. And she seems to like, not that didn't affect her at there's all. There's a couple, yeah, there's a couple of false flags of plot. Yeah. One is h- him assuming that she moves to Camber Creek just to like full out, fill out like a, there's, a, they say something like species bingo or yeah. something like oh, that. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then there's kind of a plot of her worrying that he's going to move on, but he doesn't. He's, you know, and it, there's never really kind of like a, he doesn't go away and come back. There's no. there's nothing kind of along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. It's, which I think are, are also other things that make it feel slight as a novel. I think it's, if you're reading it for just pure erotica, then it's got everything you need. But I, I felt, I felt Morning Glory Milking Farm felt more like a novel to me, like a, like a full book. Yeah. Agreed. You know? 
the, it did what it. Did, yeah. Sorry. Oh, no. Aaron, you go. Um, now I forget it again. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I just totally screwed you up. I was no, just going to say about the what did we think of Merrick's genitalia? There was a lot happening within the sex scenes. I mean, the parts that I found funny, his tongue is apparently like eight feet long. It can yes, really unravel. It's coming through a, from a tree, through a window, across a room, and into her bed. Yes. He also speaks well. His, I should say that is also another part of ma- mothness that she has sexualized, right? That like the moth tongue makes it, him the best at cunnilingus there could ever possibly be. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, that's a pretty large oversight on my, on my, um, on my end. I'm, I'm sorry. I hope <laughs> no can't... one stopped listening to the podcast. Cause they're like, Oh, she doesn't get moths. I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> it's all sex. Uh, oh, it's yeah. all like it kind of, it's a heavy, heavy cuddlingus book, which like, listen, is great. Yeah. And, um, and then we love to see it. He can, he apparently can only have intercourse sort of in the traditional sense of like moth dick into her like once a month, he says, because it's yeah. a whole thing. It feels like there are much in the same way like certain kinks and sort of interests are served by different not like romance writers and books. I feel like this book is sort of like, Hey, women who are not that into penetrative sex mm-hmm. and wish that like the go-to was kind of lingus. I got you. Here's your hero. He doesn't mm-hmm. want to stick it in. He can't stick it in all that often, but he will go down on you anytime you want and mm-hmm. be so good at it that you black out. Like there's a lot of women for who that it, that's the ideal, right? Yeah, I mean, definitely. Yeah, he, can, he can lick her G spot. Yes, mm-hmm. I thought that was I was that was like this is him at her best when she's sort of like, <laughs> yes. okay, really, truly, what is fucking a Mothman? What goes mm-hmm. on? What happens? How are we using this anatomy? And how can I create a fantasy of what great sex with a Mothman would be? He's got a tongue. He likes going down on you. Lick, lick your G spot. Like that's genius. Yeah. <laughs> no, that all, that's amazing. That, that made yeah. it up. That made that, that brought me back from the adorable edge. Yes. I was like, but, okay, I'm back. So, Hanks is back in. Hanks is back in. <laughs> <laughs> so when, yeah, tag me back in. So, <laughs> so when they, the, after they had penetrative sex, mm-hmm. she was in a lot of pain. Like it was painful for yeah. her. Yeah. And that was very interesting to me is that like, and I think that's another reason why it was he could only do it once in a blue moon and the rest of it was conolingus because I, I don't want to speak because I'm not, I'm not like knowledgeable about this, obviously, because I'm not a woman, but like there are, there are women that it is ha- ha- more painful to have when they have like, intercourse that way mm-hmm. and they might prefer like you know stimulation in a different way mm-hmm. and like you said ea that could be one of those things that that is a fantasy for them that a yeah. man would be satisfied in that or other ways of dealing with his member like when she uses her vibrator on him mm-hmm. like these different types of having sex where it's not just the guys on top of me and I don't want to say no to this because I'm afraid he's going to be upset. You know, like mm-hmm. that's this, this is a, a novel for someone like that. 
Yes. Yeah. I think the, what I was interested in this sort of like world building of what is a Mothman's genitals, which is a lot of the imagery was vaginal, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's a lot about how Grace's foreplay with him is sort of like, I, I don't think this word is, or this phrase is actually used, but it's essentially she fingers his slit. <laughs> yes. And like it gets wet and then mm-hmm. like, and it's that for a long time. And then a penis comes out. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. slightly, it's, it's very sort of like female and male, like softness and hardness and like interior and exterior at the same time. And I think if that's something you're sexually interested in, that adds a lot of, you know, sexiness to the scene. And if you're not particularly interested in it, it's like, wow, she's really playing with his man vagina. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. Definitely... As she calls it her, his cock pocket, which I do love. Cock, yeah. Cock, cock pocket. pocket. We love that. It's I feel good. like it was very, um, it was very, um, Oh God, what was the Guillermo del Toro monster fucker movie? Um, Shape of Water. Oh, Shape Shape of Water. Water, Which is like, there is a discussion of where, I think like Olivia, uh, like there's a character, like there's literally like, where's his dick conversation. (laughs) And, but what's best about that conversation is it's also happening in um, sign language. So we get just like a buffet of gestures trying to explain a cock pocket. (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I feel, I feel like that was, that was, I think that's an influence here for sure. Yeah. I wonder if Guillermo has made it to Canberra Creek yet. And if not, we need to figure out a way to get these books to him. Cause I feel like he would enjoy them. He would. uh, Yeah. Completely, complete. I mean, like, I feel like this is a nice sort of segue into the monster fucker genre in general, because I think I first was aware of monster fucker porn or romance through no surprise at all. Um, a YouTube video, there was there, (laughs) um, was a YouTuber named Lindsay Ellis. And I'm using the past tense because she has retired from YouTube um, since. She now writes uh, very good uh, sci-fi novels, actually. Um, so Lindsay Ellis, she did a video essay on my, and it was called My Monster Boyfriend. And it, with the jumping off point, it was kind of <laughs> pegged. Uh, it was pegged <laughs> to the shape of water. Um, but referenced uh, this sort of like very well-known Clayton. I don't know if this is well-known to like teenage boys, but it's very clearly understood to almost all teenage girls that in the original beauty and the beast, the beast is hotter when he's still a beast. And when he turns into a man, everyone is like, um, pass. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. (laughs) This is fact, right? These these are fact. And so like, even if you don't think this is anywhere in your sort of, toolbox of sexual interest it's there it it, it depends on its size right <laughs> it, it like or you know depth of interest but there it's present i think so that lindsay ellis's video of sort of like why is this a thing what have what have been representations of this in the culture in the zeitgeist and why does it kind of like come up every so often like why do we keep touching on this Um, and I really think it really comes from a, 
this is very armchair diagnosis, but I think it's a real exploration of, of masculinity. My man is so manly. He's a beast. Like Mm -hmm. his cock is so huge. He's hung like a bull, like all of this animal language and metaphor and, and, you know, imagery is really about he's more than man. He's an animal or he wants me so much. It's like, he's like an animal and the, you know, people just have not gotten over beast, beast over Gaston every time, every time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, they made the beast too hot, way yeah. too hot. <laughs> yes. That was an issue. Mm-hmm. That was an issue for all of us, I think. Yeah. It's weird. It, that animalistic edge it's, 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 and there's something about it because it, it works in fantasy. Cause in real life, you don't want your partner to be animalistic or brutal or, or not all the way. time, not all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and that's the thing is like, there has to be an ability to turn it on and off. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think it's with men just speaking as the only uh, guy currently here. So I'm the closest approximation to a real man that <laughs> you can talk to at the moment is like, we're always kind of fighting our aggressive nature. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's always that sort of like push pull as well, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. h- how do we, uh, we need to be able to socialize in a way that is, you know, uh, we, we have to live in polite society, mm-hmm. but there's always part of us that is like, you know, what are my limits when it comes to being aggressive. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting way of taking what I think is a pretty sort of um you know, sort of in the Joseph Campbell Jungian sort of exploration uh, because there have been stories of like, you know, Lita and the Swan and Beauty and the Beast. Like there have been myths about love between hum- humans and animals, animals that are not really animals, right? Very most times, animals that are just presenting. <laughs> they're they're animal presenting people <laughs> um, versus, um, and it's always an exploration of wildness, right, and sexual appetite. Um, and then to kind of turn it on its head to be like, yeah, he's an animal, but he's not sexually aggressive or he doesn't seem to be. That's what I'm interested in, in Merrick and, and monster porn that is sort of like takes what is nominally sort of like the psychological urge or need or kink at the basis of this genre and just, you know, plays with it a little bit. Yeah. Cause there's a it, yeah. level of, of he's not carnivorous like you said i mean right. it's called sweet berries he eats berries yeah. he yeah. says she's sweeter than a berry like those mm-hmm. are things that i mean he is that's not meat he's not looking at mm-hmm. her as meat he's looking mm-hmm. at her as berries something sweet something that yeah. like a carnivore would possibly eat but i mean that's not yeah. their main objective not that right? a, so, not that a minotaur is car- carnivorous but a minotaur is you know sexually aggressive Exactly. Yeah. And I think, but yeah. I think there's that equation there, right? Because you think about like most uh, uh, carnivores are aggressive and herbivores are not really, mm. at least yeah. I don't know scientifically, but I know in the context of like pop culture, right? Right. Yeah. And so there is that level of, of, of playing with that. 
Yeah. And it's weird because, I mean, there is so much going on in this book, and I hate to just take it down to the level of, he didn't do it for me. <laughs> but know? he didn't. He didn't do it for me either. Yeah. Aaron, did he do it for you? No. And I think that's the thing, too. It's like something we say all the time in the podcast, too. It's like just because it wasn't for us doesn't, doesn't mean, mean it isn't for yeah. other people. Like yeah. if if you listen to this just if you listen to this discussion and you're like, oh, I kind of am interested in a hero that's a, like it takes a little bit of a backseat or is a little yeah. bit more shy then definitely check out this book. As we said, yeah. CMS Casa is a brilliant writer. Yeah. Um, to, to talk more about the interspecies relationships and the shape of water of it all, mm. I do think that there is something interesting as far as the sexual dynamics go of how much like discussion and thought and um, not just consent, but just this idea of like, we have to figure out together how to work through this, each of us getting off in yes. a way where it's two humans. You don't, you should listen. We should be having those conversations with our partners. Not everybody yes. does. Um, and so it's this like delicate dance that you have to do. And then being able to sexually satisfy a mothman or a minotaur, it feels like a little bit maybe more of an accomplishment. And I also think there's something about the mystery of that, of like, you don't look at a Mothman. Well, most of us don't look at Mothman ever, but in our mind's eye, if you think of a mm -hmm, Mothman, mm -hmm. you don't necessarily know how that would work sexually and to kind of be in on that secret as well and have it be kind of this like private thing that the two of you are part of, totally. I think heightens it as well. Totally. Yeah. I think that's also something that comes, um, this could be, inaccurate. And if CM is listening, I hope she definitely lets us know, but I think that's also kind of like another gift that coming from the queer space of Tumblr gives her as a writer, which is like, you know, there's so much about how people communicate and telegraph need and boundaries that is being sort of like all those old dichotomies are being kind of like busted up. And from my experience on Tumblr, it's really great to see how like there are conversations about pronouns, about the way that we identify and what we're interested in. And that, you know, in queer spaces, it's not necessarily a given like who's a top and who's a bottom or what kind of top or what kind of bottom. And I love to see that change in the paradigm being reflected in the, in the books. Mm -hmm. And I think using a concept like Cambridge, Cambridge Creek being like, yeah, in this space, no, it's not given how you're going to have sex. It's not given mm -hmm. that penetrative sex is um, even possible. And like, imagine a sex life between a heterosexual cis, cis gendered couple. If you were to like, say like, yeah, penetrative sex is not the norm, mm -hmm. throw that out. And like, what would you come up with if you didn't take all of that for granted? Yeah. And I, I, that's when I, that's when I really groove on and snap it on these books because it is such a smart way of saying, you know, you can do this too. You mm -hmm. don't have to fuck a moth <laughs> to have an original conversation of what kind of sex you want to have with your partner. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a gift that mothmen and moth cock pockets can give us all? Isn't that, that is the true gift. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> Look to the cock beers. pocket. Yeah. I think there there is something there is something so wildly imaginative about the way this writer approaches identity and sexual politics and sexual expression that I I just wish so many more like imagine if Nora Roberts tried to write moth porn yeah wow. like imagine like imagine how wide if more writers were as curious as CM is imagine the sex we could be reading mm-hmm. and be inspired to have ourselves Mm-hmm. that's when I get excited about this writer because she's really exploring things that I don't see anywhere else. And that's why, while I feel that this was, as Glenn said, like a difficult sophomore album, I will totally read what she does next. Yes. Because just because this was not a hero that I wanted to fuck or be fucked by, someone is super excited that Merrick exists. And I'm so I so hope they find this book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even though they're going to wish there was more plot. <laughs> yes, yes. Absolutely. That yeah, there absolutely. that's I'm willing to critique. I wish mm-hmm. more had happened in this book. And I think that's also the brilliance of setting it in Camber Creek, setting it somewhere that is like so mundane. And like this woman yeah. is just a wedding planner at a farm. That's like a pick and yeah, pay farm. It, like it, it is. It tickles me that it's she's yeah. basic. She's yeah. a basic <laughs> moth fucker. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and so there is that thing of like, it's not like they're in a heightened, like they're in a heightened world in that there are all of these creatures everywhere. Yeah, but they all have like but, jobs. Yeah. They all just like kind of like, I feel like Rourke was like a banker or something. Like he wore a suit. Yes. Yeah, he yeah, did yeah. something boring. Yeah. I mean, the werewolf is running for mayor. Yeah. It's like everybody has a Hallmark job and I think it's fantastic. It is very Hallmark Mm because Hallmark, I mean, I don't, I know Hallmark movies more in theory than practice, but I'm fairly confident that my theoretical experience is enough. Yes. (laughs) is enough. I'll be happily, I'll be happily corrected. Um, but you, you guys have covered Hallmark movies, right? Have you done Hallmark movies? Maybe we should. I mean, I don't mean to invite myself back again. No, what if coming we did, back? What if we did some Hallmark Christmas Hallmark? I mean, cause like, if you're going to do it, fucking do it. Right. Yeah. yeah. Deep, deep end. But I feel like there is something very Hallmark, which is like, it's a little stars hollow, right? Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. a little bit. There's a, there's a charming country town, and there's all of it's peopled with all of these characters who have like jobs. Like there's definitely going to be like a human that runs the air, like a, a like a a bed and breakfast where all the beds are different sizes for different species, and like mm-hmm. the buffet is you know half bugs, half meat, <laughs> half continental breakfast, half sweet berries. Like yeah. it's there's something about it that is very. I think the, I I know I'm repeating myself, but I think the real romance is between CM and this place. I think Cambric Creek is like this halcyon paradise where like no one's gender or species or sexual predilection is assumed. And what if all these different sorts of people could live in kinky happiness forever yeah because because an inner when you have sexual interactions in that 
town, like it's 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 not like you said, it's not assumed how things are going to go down. So those that honesty and that intimacy can be created by asking questions and really aiming to please each other in a way that a normal heterosexual relationship, there's just things that are supposed to be givens like we're just supposed to know this is what people like and this is what people don't like just from previous experience or media or all these things that we yeah we aren't able or at least weren't before able to say yeah well i know this is the standard but what do you actually want yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and i was very happy to be back in this place i was very happy to be back in the town yeah yeah yeah, sorry. I agree. We'll come back. I mean, this is not going to be our last trip. I think it was a worthwhile read. The mm-hmm. only reason we were a little bit disappointed, I think, is because of the level of because we're all wh- like little subby bottoms, and we want a mean, <laughs> want yeah, a mean yeah, aggressive yeah. top. That's so true. Think, I'm such. Yeah. I'm. So, I'm a basic. I'm. I'm basic. That's my problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think the thing is too, it's like when you read a book from an author like Sia Costa in like her first book, and it's at such a level that then you read a book that like from any author, other author would be like a really standard, great book. You're like, yeah. no, but I know you can do that little bit more. Yeah, and yeah. so with the, the parts where it fell short, it did it, it when I found out that this was also a book that had been on Tumblr and was kind of added mm-hmm. to for length and things like that. That is kind of how it felt. Well, so uh, let's ask the question, although I think EA, you already gave us, well, at least for one of the people in this book, mm. would you fuck them? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't fuck either Merrick or Grace. Really? Mm-mm. Aaron, how about yourself? I, I feel like Grace, what I liked about Grace is that she knew what she liked in the bedroom and she had a lot going on as far as like sexual aids and toys and things like that. And I just appreciate yeah, love that. somebody. Love a, love a heroine with toys. Yeah. That she knew how to get herself off. And she, as much as she did not want to fuck Brogan and she didn't want to like fuck anybody at work, which I get. And it's a great rule to have, I think in general, mm-hmm. um, she still was it ashamed of the sexual part of it? And she pursued that. So in that way, I think that she is interesting and sexy. And I think Merrick as a person, no, but then also she does talk a lot about those orgasms and I would want to know what that was like. So like, oh, yeah, that's, uh, maybe yeah, curious, curious, I'm not yeah. sexually, I'm, I'm not sexually attracted to Merrick, I think. So if it's hmm. based, based, if the question is actually asking that, then no. What about you, Clayton? Well, you wouldn't even have to let him in the house. That's the, that's the best thing <laughs> I about I was Merrick. thinking about you, Clayton, because I, now I know, I remember correctly that you enjoy a voyeurism moment. And this is yes. like, bang, you want it, you got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twice. That that was, I I love that set piece. Yeah. And that's why I wish that it would have been a hero that I liked better. That's yeah. the, the unfortunate. But I mean, that's, that was right up my alley. Yeah. I, I don't think I would, I, uh, I don't think I would fuck Merrick. I would, I would fuck Grace for a lot of the reasons that Aaron stated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, I'd fuck Brogan because, you know, that's just the kind of guy I am. <laughs> Brogan seems like a good guy. And Brogan seems like the best version of 
a frat guy. Like when there's no toxic masculinity to that kind of person, when they're just kind of like a guy who just like kind of wants to have fun and get laid and a not, not with that tinge, like that's who broken seems to be. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, yeah. So for Goodreads list on no lists. So that's a quick segment. This is new. This came out at the, what, at the end of May or no Mm -hmm. beginning of June, beginning of June. Right. Yeah. I think like it got pushed. So it was like June 3rd or something. Yeah. So I can Can see why. Can I just say that Brogan, I wanted to double, I wanted to double check because I'm about to name drop something really, really nerdy. And if I got it (laughs) wrong, I know, I know Tumblr would come for me. Um, which sounds like a horrifying prospect. I do not want to experience that, but bro, I really like Brogan and that's his name, right? It just sounded weird when I said it out loud. Brogan. Okay. Um, for nerds out there and for people who are fans of romance content coming from different places, there is a YouTuber my friends now have a thing where, and I mention a YouTuber, I have to take a shot of something because it's just, it's getting a little out of control. Yeah. Um, You're my friend who knows the most YouTube content. Yes. yes. I would say like, I don't, this doesn't mean anything because you can watch contact, but like, I don't own a television. There's no mm-hmm. television shows that like, I really keep up with. I just, I, I'm a, I'm a YouTube person. Mm-hmm. What's How do we call it? Cam girl? No, that's something else. That is something else. That's a little different. Um, but there is one of the people who I'm most intrigued by and fascinated by I don't want to call it content, the, the stories that they're making. There's a YouTuber who's goes by redacted ASMR and redacted ASMR has created an entire universe of characters. And at this point, you know, the governing bodies, you know, the, like, you know, he, he does like huge story arcs over seasons with um, it's at like a magical realm where there's like there's vampires and there was werewolves, but there's also like elementals, like people who can control fire, people who can control earth. It's like very much if a romance novelist got really into Avatar, the last airbender um and then threw some kiki stuff in there on the side. And there's a character from the redacted universe named Huxley, who is the first like himbo character that I've ever liked because I'm not usually one for like who enjoys a character who's, who's one of their greatest thing is like, they're not that smart. (laughs) That is not usually something I find endearing similar to like a dork ability. You know, that's not really something, but I know if there are, I feel like CM coming from Tumblr, there's going to be some listeners out there who are Tumblr people and YouTube people. And I, I, if you are out there and you are listening to this and you listen to redacted, you will know who I'm talking about. And the character's name is Huxley. And he's just like the dreamiest, sweetest. And it's like, when I, when I realized I was into Huxley, I learned something about myself. So is this person on YouTube, are the, is it just like storytelling? Like it is, it is. Here's the other thing. He's a good actor. 
Um, okay. Redact. I don't know his real name and I wouldn't say it anyways. He, although he shows his face, there's a lot of ASMR artists who don't show their face. He shows his face and he shows his name. I just don't know what it is. Yeah. Um, but he, I, I'm a, I, I give him money on Patreon. I give a, I give a lot of YouTubers money on Patreon, <laughs> but, um, they bring you a lot of joy and you they should. bring me yeah. a lot of joy. These are people who got me through the pandemic, like, mm-hmm. and are making, I would qualify as like genuine influences on, on my work. Um, but he, it's basically like first person, first personal, li- like you, the characters are talking to you, the listener, and then wow. there's a script and they kind of go off of what your the listener is supposedly saying. That makes no sense. Okay. Kind of. It's yeah. It's essentially like he Huxley is talking to you. And so it feels like, especially if you have headphones on, it feels like you're having a conversation with someone, mm. but the redacted, he's a very, there's lots of people who do this and they, it's horrible because they're bad actors and he's a mm-hmm. very good actor. I'm just fascinated with all the different ways and modes that people are creating, you know, porn, romance, personal, like personal narratives especially post pandemic when everyone mm-hmm. was just like stuck at home. I am not surprised that there are new writing and recording and making art that is really about intimacy, about you are there listening and I'm speaking into this microphone and it feels like I'm there or I'm writing erotica that is all about consent. Like the, I feel like it's very reflective of the zeitgeist and the culture that we're in right now. That's so that, yeah. that was a very long diatribe, but shout out to YouTube nerds. No, welcome. Great. <laughs> Listen, if anyone gets in contact with us, we will send them your way to continue oh gosh, the conversation. Please do, please yeah. do. Redacted CM. I, 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 I laud, I laud you both for your immense talent. Yeah. Um. Did you happen to put together any tropes? I didn't tell you to do that. So no, but I mean like monster fucking, mm-hmm. right? Um uh type type A heroin. I feel like that's a trope, like or very organized, kind of like almost blue stocking-y. Like she's, yeah. she's slightly blue stocking-y. Um that's that's the that's what I've got off the top of my head. What about you, Clayton? Clayton? Yeah. Well, uh, unique genitalia definitely is a big oh, yeah. one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, I guess this is, this would, this would fall under, like, she does create a lot of, uh, like, this town is its own character. So I, I feel like it's like town is a character is also. Oh, a that's trope. a good one. I like that. Yeah. That's very yeah. stars hollowy, sort of. Yeah. And I would say, like, if we're talking, because I do think that Merrick does read as a, a, a see again. I don't, I don't want to diagnose anybody, but like a little mm. bit on the spectrum. So, but yeah. I would say, just to be conservative, that he is a socially anxious hero. Mm-hmm. Mm. Definitely, yeah, yeah. Aaron, for what sure. are your tropes? It wasn't an overly tropey book, which is funny mm. for a monster romance. Like you'd think yeah. it would be more tropey, but yeah, monster romance, unique penises, voyeuristic hero, small well, voyeurism, town. voyeurism yeah. for sure. Yeah. Shy hero, divorced heroine. Yeah. I feel like, mm, right. like books that feature cunnilingus, that's yeah. a very specific kind of romance book. 
So yeah. many mass market romances have the most boring sex. You don't really see it a whole lot. Like You know what this would be is hero loves conolingus right that's yeah. what it is that's, that's what, what it is, is. yeah because that's that's he loves it and there's several times where she says he loves this which i yes. always feel like aaron can you speak to this i feel like in real life when you're talking about somebody and someone describes a man as like he's just one of those guys who like really loves pussy like eating pussy it's always like oh okay i mean in theory, that sounds good, but there's always a bit of like, a, what's going on? Yeah, there's a specific kind of person that is not a kind of person. Yeah, that you want to be such around. Such a weird thing. And, like you, yeah, want, but like, you want a man who is excited, but there's something about it as a personality trait that has some unfortunate Venn diagrams. Like that person yes. also probably wears a lot of fedoras. I was gonna say is into magic, close up magic. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god yeah oh my god can i tell you a funny story of course uh, uh, speaking of magic um so a, a television program that i did watch and really enjoyed was derek delgardio's in and of itself which yeah. is on hulu um i saw the show in person three or four times wow. um and when i and you lose the Hulu experience is also remarkable. And I was lucky enough to um, meet Derek and he told me the funniest story. He's kind of like a magician's magician. He's never really done a show, but he created acts for other magicians. And he had like a term that he um, uses for himself. And he had this really great bit, which was like, listen, you only want to, hear someone described as a magician if they're not a magician like if you call a basketball player a magician on the court mm. he's really good at basketball <laughs> That's true. or like oh you've got to use my dentist he's a magician it's so great as long as they're not actually a magician but the moment you say of a person he's a magician everyone yeah. gets very nervous <laughs> That's, there's so, I, that's there's so, true. and it's, it's like and i feel like you know when someone's got a bit that really speaks to something they've been dealing with their whole life i looked into Derek delgardio's eyes and he, i was like this man never wants to be called a magician ever again i felt it it was yes. deep it was the, deep yeah and there's something about so he's a, mag a magician yeah. at eating pussy mm, that's a double whammy of like I'm back. Yeah, that is confusing because my I'd arms like, are crossed at that point. My arms are crossed. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just afraid he's going to be like, oh, what did I look? It's a quarter. You can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. Any final thoughts about Sweetberries or anything? It's all you, no, Clayton. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think we covered a lot of it. It was a great a great conversation as mm -hmm. always with 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 you, Aaron and EA. Thanks for mm. for coming on again. You always bring up such great <laughs> such such great insights. Well, I just want to say, I I I think this was this this book was a little bit of a whiff for me, but I can't wait to come back to Camber Camber Crick Crick Camber Crick. I can't <laughs> yeah. wait to come back to the old monster fucking stars hollow. 
<laughs> um, so excited. I like werewolf. And like, now that we're going to be kind of like, because I know CM is not going to give us just a straight werewolf. Right. Romance. No. It's going to be like, he's going to be a bottom. It's going to be something like a little like spin on, on the tropes. So I'm very excited for that. Listen, open invitation to come back for any and all Camber Creek Done. novels. Done. Obviously, now we have to do some Hallmark, Hallmark Christmas movies. Hallmark Christmas movies. We have to figure out how should we just watch like a bunch and talk about them oh, in general. Watch it. My God. I mean, I feel like your listeners will have a top five. If listeners can yes. write in their top five Hallmark Christmas movies, and then we pick the one that shows up in the most list. Perfect. Yeah. Mm. Sold. Done. We can do that. We'll post that also in our Facebook troop and everyone's really wonderful at giving us recommendations. Although I must say, these are also book people. So a book recommendation, they'll be there in a flash. Any other kind of media, sometimes they're like, hmm, not so Fair. sure. Oh, yeah. Well, but, we, lo- we, lo- we love to see it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If anyone has Hallmark movies that they particularly think that we should explore, mm. well, 100%. Done and done. Um, we know you're swooning about Redacted, but is there anything else that you are swooning about? I am, I mean, yeah. So I gave, I gave a shout out to redacted ASMR on YouTube. Um, oh, you know who I want to shout? This is another YouTube recommendation. Take a shot. <laughs> I really want to shout out the YouTuber, Rachel Maxi, um, M A K S Y. And I'm shouting her out in particular because oh, I think she's on TikTok too. She is on TikTok. Oh, I, love I, her. I do. N- I love how I'm about to like throw a line down in the sand as if I'm some great aesthete, but I, I do not TikTok. She does not TikTok. Um, I've heard of her, but I do not do the TikToks, but Rachel Maxi is a maker. Um, I know her through YouTube. She does some cosplay stuff, which again is sort of like nerd adjacent. I'm not that kind of nerd, but like respect for the game. Mm-hmm. But she sews, she paints, she does cosplay, she does home decor things. And I just, she is one of those people who truly got me through the pandemic. And she has been kind of hinting lately that like YouTube has her down. Um, and I don't think the algorithm has been kind and like, there's been some commenter chicanery that I, I, I do not stand. Um, but she is charming and funny and like wildly talented. She has inspired me to make things. And I can't think of a better swoon of someone who's like talent and ingenuity and joy for making inspires me to do the same. So Rachel Maxi is my swoon of the sesh. She's lovely. Right. Yeah. She is lovely. She's lovely. We love her. We stand a redhead, Aaron. We stand oh. a redhead. Always, always. Just always, got my always. red hair recently. Yeah. Well. She, it looks good. Thanks. Touch mm-hmm. it up. Next. Uh, yeah. She, I see her on the Tiki Talks because yeah. I don't YouTube. This is where we pass in the night. <gasps> oh my gosh. Gift of the Magi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it, she's really fun over there too. But yeah, I, yeah. I, she's, she's so impressive and, and very, very talented. I truly like, she's one of those people who I could not have gotten through the pandemic without her mm-hmm. art. I refuse to call it content. She makes, she makes good art. And I'm so happy that she's generous enough to share it with us. She does not have a Patreon. If she did, I would throw money at her because <laughs> I really, I really love to find people and, and throw 
cash at them via via the Patreon. I listen. That's what you have to do if you find something that you enjoy, Truly. especially a smaller maker. And you have the disposable income. Obviously, not everybody does, but if you yeah. if you have a few extra dollars, then five dollars a month to spend it. Yeah. Take it, please. God, gosh, Gor- yeah. Gorsh. Like if you have yeah. a certain like podcast you listen to, where mm-hmm. there's like. Uh, a veteran <laughs> romance reader. Are you like, all on uh, Patreon? Do you of course we're on Patreon. Oh my gosh. Listen, Oops. it was only, a ve- we were going to say it eventually. There we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Tie in. There so I decided so that's it would work. It's, perfect. Yeah, so that, that is my swoon. What y'all swooning about? Clayton, what are you swooning about? Well, so I, my swoon is, I mean, talk about basic. I mean, but I have to swoon about Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's a movie I've seen three times. You want to talk about queer romance? Let's talk about queer romance. Yes. Are you talking about original <laughs> Top Gun or Top Gun Maverick as well? I don't know. Do you prefer bare-chested men playing volleyball in jeans or bare-chested men playing football in jeans? Like asterisk, they're, they're, they splash in this one. Well, they're, they're also they're playing- in the water. They're playing offense and defense at the same time. Yeah, they yeah, yeah they play both sides. They yeah. play oh both my sides. Gosh. Yes, there's so much about this movie about Top Gun Maverick that is but so swoon, fun swoon and some so more. silly. Swoon some Keep more. Going. Yeah, sorry, yes. we interrupted. No, no, not at all. I mean, but I just thought this movie with its practical effects, I did think that it had. I mean, as a guy who loves father son type of anytime a uh a father is mentioned in a in a film i'm holding back tears mm-hmm. uh this is that kind of movie and i just really enjoyed it i actually went and saw this again for the third time with aaron and her parents with along with producer patty of course and we all had a blast and it's just i feel like it is a movie that you can kind of take like pretty much anybody to and they'll have a good time and that's that's uh, that's sort of a rarity right now. Yeah, I agree. I, th- I think that movie it's hitting so big, and I think it's because like people want to go to the movie theater mm-hmm. and they want to see loud fucking jets, and they just yeah. want they want to see shit blow up. They want to eat popcorn. They want to like feel good, and then hang out. <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. this movie too. Yeah. It's such yeah. a. And it's like this past weekend being Father's Day too. It's such a like, so many people must have brought their dads. To, I brought my dad to see this movie. The okay. highest praise that he gave is, yeah, that was a movie. He <laughs> loved it though. Yeah. <laughs> I was very, did you guys catch that it is, there are so many movies that are just the plot of Star Wars A New Hope again, including all the other Star Wars. But mm-hmm. this one is literally like, there's a one in a million shot and there's guns. So you got to fly underneath the guns, which is Luke's mission on the Death Star. Yeah. And I, I, in, I, in, I have to believe that's purposeful. Like I have to believe that there that is, is some generous, sort of... my friend. That is generous. <laughs> I, 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 I just think that that is a comment on something and i'm not sure exactly what other than that yeah it is a star wars because honestly you you you're entirely correct because the 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 mission is that they have to uh shoot uh, shoot through something blow it up and then uh another missile goes through and destroys it and i think that is pretty much what the mission was to destroy the death star 
Yes. And they might have one, been like, a one in a million shot and then it's all going to blow up and they won't be able to get a, a get away fast enough. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I do think there's a level of if you like this in space, what about on Earth? You know, who knows? It could be. Yeah. yeah. I, there, love, yeah. I love that. It's like we you got to teach these guys to do it. And he teaches him and he teaches him and he teaches him and then they go or or you could do it. Do you want to do it? Yeah. OK. I'll, OK, you do it. With well, Tom, well, Tom Cruise was not going to make a Top Gun movie where he's not the guy who does it. Sorry, Miles. Sorry. Well, it, there was a similar thing with Tom Cruise where in the fourth Mission Impossible, he was actually supposed to. I mean, I don't know if this is a fact, but this is what people were saying is that he was going to kind of hand off the torch to Jeremy Renner. And then that movie did really well. And Tom Cruise was like, oh, yeah, but no, I'm actually not going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. Are you having a laugh? Yeah, that's that's <laughs> that's not it. I love that. I love it. Yeah. It's, All right. Uh, Aaron, anyway. what are you what are you swooning for other than Tom Cruise and tight jeans playing sports? I will say playing sports ball. It did like that movie. It's been criticized for being basically just like a two hour recruitment tape for the Navy mm. and I, it, they got me because I join it. Are you joining? I them? think that I could the Navy? be a great She's fighter pilot you, just in case. And if I could really? jump to just being a fighter pilot, I think yeah. I would kill it. I can't do the basic training part of it. I don't know if they're taking women in their late thirties at the moment, but I mean, you know. worth a Google, worth a Google. Let's see. I could change my career. I just, it, it does make flying a jet seem like the most fun a person could have. Funnily enough, I am also sweating about a Miles Teller vehicle. I Spiderhead. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a huge TV fan. TV is other than obviously Robot Sobbles. I, I love know TV. Where you're going with this. And I how did I recently finish the offer on Paramount featuring Plus? featuring someone calling Tom, Yeah, calling my brother. <laughs> Um, who was great. He was, he was such a good stick in the bud, which is hard because you it's, can't just it's be an, an asshole. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what's the role when he got it? He was, he was like, I'm the guy who says no to the Godfather over and <laughs> yeah. over and over again. I was like, well, good luck with that, Mary. <laughs> he did it. He brought a He's nuance good. to He's it. Good. I'm not no, just the show is so great. The show is so much fun. Um, and Clayton and I were talking, I think, about the, the idea of just like a hangout show or a show you just want to go and you're like, I just like to be with these people once a week. Totally. And that's what the show turns into. Matthew Goody is playing, or Matthew Good, I don't know how you pronounce his last name. Good. Matthew Good, yeah. Matthew Good is playing uh, Robert Evans, who is a yes. very famous uh, producer, a Paramount yes. who produced basically every movie. Uh, and his characterization is so much fun and so hilarious. Pat and yes. I have just been saying the lines to each other basically since we finished the movie. Have you watched The Kid Stays in the Picture? No, we're saying oh. I need to watch that. But For I, listeners, yeah. Robert Evans is one of the most successful producers of all time. He was a real character. Mm -hmm. He wrote a, an autobiography, uh, autobiography called the kid stays in the picture. Um, and which he recorded the audiobook for it is a tour de force. If you want, like, did I think it was going to be a failure? You bet. Did that <laughs> stop me? No. What did I have for <laughs> breakfast? Eggs. And then I hit the road. I mean, it, he's truly, um, when I worked at, um, for a, sh a short period of time, I was a secondary reporter at Vanity Fair. 
and went, but I wasn't important. So when there was an assistant gone, I had to cover a desk and he called pretty frequently, um, to, uh, for a certain issue. And I remember picking up the phone and I said, you know, Vanity Fair. And well, who is this? (laughs) Uh, this is Elizabeth, Elizabeth. You give great phone. <laughs> he must what have been in his eighties. He must have been in his eighties. But Robert Evans once told me I get, gave great phone. So, anyways, you must listen to the audiobook because it's okay. hilarious. And then they made it. the The audiobook was so ridiculous, and he he shone so brightly as such a ridiculous character. And they made a documentary, and the documentary is also wildly. Um, entertaining. So you have just scratched the Robert Evans surface. I, can't, I I love there's so much for me to explore about Robert Evans because I think I knew that there was a person named Robert Evans. I don't think I knew the breadth of what he had done and who he was yes. as a character. And I'm so excited. And this show also the offer. Yeah. It's, it's the story of how the Godfather got made, which mm-hmm. I will say when I heard about this TV show, I was not like, Ooh, got to add that to my TV time. Yeah. But it was really fun, especially a lot of the people who listen to this are creatives and just to see what goes into making a movie. Yes. It's phenomenal and how much hard work goes into it. And so Miles Teller plays Albert S. Ruddy, who was the producer of The Godfather and Juno Temple is his secretary, who's also a great character. It's full of just like, so interesting. So much fun. Yes. I live oh, for yeah. Mimi Giannopoulos as a young actress and she plays, uh, Hollywood agent and legate like legend Sue Mengers. Yes. Um, Sue Mengers was an agent. Um, Bette Midler played her in a one woman show um, that I never got to see that I was heartbroken. And Sue Mengers is like a fashion icon for me. Just yes. big glasses, blonde hair and moo's like white woman into dashiki. Let's go. <laughs> um, and so seeing her pop up is fantastic. And um, yeah, M- Mimi Giannopoulos plays Sue Mingers. I just, the show is so great. I love that. That's your swoon. Oh yeah. It's a jet. So listen, good. it just so happened that just the so sisters little, of little, one of the stars was here because I a was little, was a like, little Hank's tie-in take I a little listen. sip of Hank's cola. <laughs> I'll take a Hanks whenever I can get a Hanks. Oh, you're so kind. <laughs> you're so kind. Um, guys. Was, yeah, this was amazing. Well, I was thinking of like, what did I really enjoy most recently? And it was the offer. Um, Love yeah, it. Aaron, you got me. To, uh, it's on Paramount Plus. It. Paramount, it's on Paramount yeah. Plus, everybody. Worth it. A hundred percent worth it. Great content. Mm. They talked it up so much that I I started watching it too, and I'm through the first episode, and it is it is one of those things where it's just like I had no clue that the guy who produced the Godfather also helped create Hogan's Heroes, and I was like, <laughs> right there, I'm like, I gotta just find out what everything's what's going on with this, and then the guy who plays Mario Puzo, and he like oh he owes money, gets beat up in the in the, oh, in yeah. the uh, um, alleyway after his book signing doesn't go well. It's like it's so, uh, and then Giovanni Ribisi is Joe Columbo really doing his thing, Taylor. and it's like I'm very <laughs> excited to get uh, uh, through this thing and just really enjoy it. I love the idea of like a season three of the offer when it's like the whole scene is so Sofia Coppola is going to be in this. That's yeah, the, yeah, that's the that's the huge character, like the huge plot arc of season three is like I guess we're doing this. There, are they doing awesome. a season two? No, 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 no. I have no idea. No. That was, that was, I just wrote the offer fan fiction. <laughs> I want there to be season two because I loved it so much. I was like, I want to stay with these people. What's happening next? Let's, let's watch the longest yard get produced. I think if there's like, if you 
perhaps like me uh found once upon once upon a time in Hollywood um unpleasant for myriad reasons but you're like but I want to live in this world I want to see these clothes I want to see 70s Los Angeles um the offer is a nice um alternative not that not not that it's filled with much nicer people anyways but no. it's also good aesthetically the it's aesthetics beautiful. are correct on point um nice. well guys listen. I'll see you, I'll see you at Christmas Yes, oh, if yeah. not sooner. <laughs> this was so lovely. Thank Such you so a, much for doing this. And it's always so wonderful whenever you come, come oh, by. My pleasure. I could, I will stop by Cambric Creek any old time. Oh, wait, okay. can I ask one question? For a, a last thing. Yeah, sure. If you could have sex with any creature in Cambric Creek, in the, in the Creek, <laughs> what would it be? I think we're all passing on a Mothman. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't be an insect. Yeah. That's a big NO from me. She wrote, I do have to say, she did write on Tumblr. She wrote like a Spider Man. They're called Driders. And I mm-hmm. have arachnophobia. So I avoided this story for a very long time, but it was good. Changed my mind. I would fuck that spider. Really? She wrote that Wheel of Wheel of Fortune, I think. We, she, yes. Yeah. That's, that's the series. Yeah. Wheel of Fortune or um, Wheel of Time. Wheel of, Wheel of something. I can Wheel see the cover yeah. in my mind. Yeah. I think Wheel of Time is that uh, Jordan. Oh, Robert that's Jordan. Like that f- that's yeah, Robert that Jordan. Yeah. Thick, thick fantasy mm-hmm. book. Mm-hmm. She thick. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, is it too hacky to say a minotaur? No. Yeah. No, we're lousy. We're, we're lousy with dreamy minotaurs at this point. Yeah, because a werewolf, I mean, we've discussed kind of at length about how I don't get the wear phenomena necessarily because it's like like, sometimes you're a man and sometimes you're an animal. Okay, I I don't know. I don't get it. A vampire, Mm. they are too morose, Byronic, couldn't do it. Yeah. Um, I love it. (laughs) Yeah. These these are, (laughs) you've thought of, you have, this is why I asked because I knew there was going to be thoughts yeah. Reasons. What about you? Can I turn it around on you and then we'll go to Clayton? Um, I want like I'm gonna say no to werewolves and like were bears and vampires just because that feels a little basic. Mm-hmm. Um, like we can get that anywhere. Um I feel like she did, I feel like CM did a short story of a naga which is half snake half person okay and like her mythology around that was intriguing to me they had like there was a lot of like um a lot of like i'm cold-blooded you're hot-blooded let's get close and share body heat i do love a like we're stuck in this cold plate like that's a trope right stuff mm-hmm. like must Force huddle proximity. for warmth Oh, close yeah, proximity that. huddle for warmth. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think is, and that's always been one of my favorites. And so and I think like every Naga romance I've, or like story I've read has had some version of close proximity trope, which mm-hmm. I love, loved, love, there, a, love force, a forced up proximity. Is there scaly skin involved with the snake person? Yes. There's usually like a, I need your help shedding. But you know, give me a pair of tweezers and I will go to town. That is I'm like dream. Nev, I'm like Nev Campbell in the craft. Just like let me at <laughs> it. Let me at oh, it. Oh, that's 
that is a thing. I mean, we're this is such a long episode, but that is such a thing that I feel like I always push you guys into long episodes. No, it's, listen, <laughs> no. if you have the time, we have the time. Oh, are I'm you here. kidding me? I'm here. Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I've I've never had a girlfriend who did not enjoy peeling, like a like a like the skin, like peeling yep. like a burnt like after yep. it, it heals up yep. or whatever, like starts yep. flaking off. They love to just peel your dead skin off. Yeah. Romance. Mm-hmm. Look it up. Oh yeah, popping a pimple. Oh, that's the whole thing. That's yeah. a whole thing. Or an ingrown right. hair. Yeah. Okay. We Clayton. could go on. Clayton. Clayton. You're going to Canberra Creek. Who are you gonna fuck? I mean, again, I mean I'm the guy who picked Maverick, so of course it's gonna be a Minotaur. But, <laughs> oh, um, I love it. But I've had that I've actually been a big Minotaur fan even before we read the Canberra creek mm, because mm. one of my favorite stories is the story of the minotaur like the actual mm, like myth yeah. of him yeah um because it's a maze and it's all this stuff i love that so he's a tragic think, he's a tragic figure in that myth yes yeah 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 and i'm drawn to tragic figures definitely you love you like a little byronic sadness mm. i do i absolutely do yeah mm, yeah i think the, the where we discovered the minotaur was the rogue not taken by sarah mclean because she references well, I don't know that. It. Yeah, she t- she talk it's a it's two humans. So I don't know if, you know, but it it <laughs> you're like I don't know if you'd like it. Everyone yeah. has like two legs. Everyone has <laughs> sort of the assumed parts. But um but they they reference that myth a lot and it's a little bit of a retelling of the Minotaur myth in a way that is like really oh, beautiful. So cute. Yeah, I would yeah, suggest and it. And she's she's just a really I mean, she's a spectacular writer, so it's yeah. yeah. Can we? Just, I know we were all slightly disappointed with this book, but CM is such a good writer. Oh, so yes. good. Love. Oh, without it, she is a phenomenal writer. I, you know, we've said it before too. It's like she has no business imbibing everything. I don't know if that's the right word, but it, it putting so much thought into these yes. books. Yeah. And how well-crafted they are and how interesting they are and how much like we're dying to go back to Cambridge Creek yes. and we are excited for the next book. You know, that doesn't happen from a lesser author, you know? So for she sure. is immensely talented. And although this book didn't hit it with us, could hit it with you, yes. try it out, see how I you can't, feel. I really can't wait to hear what listeners think. Like if, if Merrick worked for other, for, for your listeners. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. I can't wait to hear. Well, I'll send you feedback or people can yeah. reach or out to people, you directly. Yes, people Instagram. can reach out to me on Instagram. Yes, please do. Please, please, please. At EA Hanks. If you EA want Hanks. to email us your thoughts, which monster you'd fuck, Hallmark movies. We have a, we put out a lot of calls in this yes, episode. Yes, we've given you a lot of homework, listeners. My apologies. <laughs> you can email us at learningthetropespodcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram at learningthetropes and on Twitter at learningtropes. Uh, we have our Learning the Tropes troop on Facebook. We have our Patreon, as we've already brought up. Woo, woo. But if you just go to patreon.com and search Learning the Tropes, you're going to find us there. $5 a month. You get a sticker after three months. You get bonus episodes. It's really fun. We're on Truth Social, right, EA? That's where you moved to, right? Yeah, I love, yeah. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. God, truth <laughs> I've never heard of that before. I don't want to know. I can only imagine. Uh, um, anyway, again, thank you so much for being here. You're the loveliest. We're so happy um, that you came back, and we'll be seeing you next time. All the love. Yes. Until next time, everybody. 
right. Happy reading. Happy reading. <laughs>